We are in the middle of our Made for This series. We are exploring the things that we have been made for by our Lord and Creator as we explore how it is we connect as a community through our Sign Up Sunday season. Today we are going to be looking at the work of Paul in Acts chapter 17. And as we look at this piece of scripture, it's important that we open up our hearts and minds so that God can show us a clear vision of what it is that Paul is trying to teach us. So I ask that you would open up your hearts and minds and receive this scripture anew today. Here's what Acts 17 verses 24 through 31 tell us. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, he, from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhibit, inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but he now commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever seen a horror movie before or one that has a little bit of tension in it. But just about every single horror movie that exists, and I grew up in the 80s, so I grew up with a lot of really interesting horror movies, but in almost every one that exists, there's at least one person who looks at danger and runs toward it instead of away from it. There's at least one person who sees something shady happening and instead of saying, that doesn't look so great and going home where they should be safe, instead they say, ah, no big deal, and they walk towards it. And eventually they end up what? Dead, right? And the whole time you're thinking, I knew it. If you were paying attention, I could have told you that was going to happen. If you were at least this smart, you would have known for yourself that that was going to happen. There's times in our lives when we see our friends and our family, maybe our coworkers, walking towards things in life when we think, uh-uh, don't go that way. And no matter what you say, or maybe you keep your mouth shut because you've learned that no matter what you say, they're not going to listen to you. But the truth is that for us, there have been plenty of times where somebody in our life has looked at us and said, uh-uh, don't go that way. And we've still decided that that was the path that we were going to take. It can be a good thing when we do that. It can be a really bad thing when we do that. Today we're going to look at Paul in Acts 17. We just read a small piece of that together, but I'm going to give you the context through which that scripture tells us that Paul spoke these words. 
because it's important for us to see the way the world that Paul was living in, the experiences that he had, because I want to show you how Paul was a lot like those people in those movies who saw something that looked a whole lot like danger, and instead of running away from it, he ran towards it. And in this instance, it was a really good thing. But let's see why that is. Just before Paul ends up in Athens, when we hear this statement, he's in Athens with the Greeks. And those Greeks, if you don't remember from history, if you don't remember from being in elementary school, they were the ones who were known about knowledge. They had the Stoics and people like Socrates and Plato who liked to sit around and think all day long and like to talk about the things that were happening in the world and have lengthy discussions about philosophy. But before Paul gets to Athens, he is actually in Thessalonica. And when he's in Thessalonica, he is sharing the truth of the good news of Jesus. Paul is sharing about Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. And as he's sharing this throughout the city, the Jews in Thessalonica, some of them hear the good word and they believe. And then others of them hear what Paul is teaching, and they get really, really angry. Because what Paul is teaching is against everything that they know their religion to be. Now, we have to remember who Paul is. Paul is a man that grew up in the Jewish religion. Not only did he grow up in the Jewish religion, but he was one of the best scholars when it came to the Jewish religion. He knew exactly what you were supposed to do. He knew what you were not supposed to do. He lived his life almost perfectly, not by our standards, not by the world's standards, but by Jewish traditional standards. Not only did he do that, but he taught those ways to other people. And when Jesus first came around and the disciples were around, Paul actually was one of the Jews who gave the Christ followers trouble. He was one of the Jews who chased after Christ followers, who tried to rid the earth of Christ followers until it was that Jesus met him personally and changed his life. And after Jesus changed Paul's life, Paul spent every day of the rest of his life sharing what had been given to him. Paul realized that what he had before was tradition. What he had before was a way of living and not faith, surrendered to God. What he realized was the ways that he had lived his life before was all about law and was all about the rules and was all about everything but God. And in meeting Jesus, he realized that there was so much more to life than what he knew before. He knew that there was so much more that God could give him if he simply chose to understand that his traditions, his way of life, were not the point, but that a relationship with God was the point. And he made it his life's mission to share that freedom, that joy, and all that comes with knowing God intimately with others. He wanted to share with them that life had excellence and goodness available to everyone. And so when he's in Thessalonica, that's what he's doing. He's saying, yes, you have your religion. Yes, you have your traditions, but you don't have God. 
And this is what the Jews hear, and the Jews get angry, and they chase him out, literally chase him out of Thessalonica. Not only do they ch chase him out of Thessalonica, but the man who was, um, had him at his house for teaching, a man named Jason, they went to Jason and they put him in prison because he harbored Jesus. Well, because they, he harbored Paul. And so then Paul goes to Berea, and when he's in Berea, he shares the same thing. He says, you have your tradition, you have your rules, you have your heritage, but there's more to this thing with God than that. He shares with them that Jesus came to give life, to fulfill the law, so that we could have life in him. And when he's in Berea, people respond greatly. They respond in such a way that they come to faith in Jesus. And the Thessalonians hear about this and they go to Berea. Because they don't want what Paul is doing. They don't want this change. They want their life the way it always has been. They want their church, their temple, their synagogue to happen the way it always has. It's been this way for as long as I can remember, so it's going to be this way for the rest of time because that's the way we do things. But Paul is telling them, no, that is not faith. That is not God. And so the Thessalonians come to Berea and they chase Paul out of Berea. And so they send Paul to Athens. And in Athens, Paul is waiting for his friends to meet him there. And as Paul's waiting for his friends to meet him there, he's walking around Athens and he sees, as he's walking around, how devoted to idols the Athenians are. He sees temples and he sees um, things set up to worship all of these different gods. And he sees the names of each of the gods that they worship, that they idolize. He also sees a temple set up to the unknown god. A God they don't know the name of, but a God that they're worshiping anyway. And he begins to start sharing the good news. And this is where I say, why? Paul's already been chased out of Thessalonica. Paul's already been chased out of Berea. He should know by now that this is a haunted house with ghosts in it, and he doesn't need to go to it because he's going to get put in jail. He's going to end up dead if he continues on this journey. Yet Paul sees that haunted house and he walks right toward it. Now, if it was me, I get chased out of two cities. I'm thinking I'm done. I'm thinking, Lord, I've done your work. I've tried to share your good news, but people don't want to hear it. Not only do people not want to hear it, but my life is in danger. My friends' lives are in danger. Paul knew all this. Not only did Paul know this, but Paul knew that in this Athenian area, that if you talk about a God who is not one of the gods that is listed, you will definitely go to jail, if not die. Because you're not allowed to, although they worshipped many gods, you were only allowed to worship the gods that the king approved of. You could only worship the gods that the king approved of. Not only that, but the way that he was talking made it sound like Jesus was king. Well, that's dangerous in a world where there's only one king, right? And Paul didn't run away from that challenge. Paul didn't look at that daunting place and say no. 
Paul said yes. Paul continued in his work. And do you want to know why he continued in his work? What I believe, at least? I believe that Paul experienced a life transformation so radically different than what he knew before. That Paul's life before Jesus and Paul's life after Jesus was so much better that he couldn't help but share this goodness with other people. It didn't matter what it would cost him. It didn't matter that people would put him in prison. It didn't matter that he might die. What mattered was he wanted other people to have what he had. He wanted other people to experience the freedom, the love, the grace, the joy that he experienced. He wanted people to understand that this religion, that these traditions, that this heritage that they were living under was not life, but death. And so Paul goes into Athens and he tells them, he tells them about Jesus. And the philosophers who are standing around, first of all, they say, what are you doing talking about a God that we don't know about? That's very dangerous. We should be putting you in prison. Not only that, but he enters into a theological debate with people who knew everything. Have you done that before? <laughs> I, I encourage you not to do that. I encourage you to share love and grace and mercy, but entering into theological debates with people who know everything, entering into political debates with people who know everything, doesn't really end well, right? But Paul went to these people understanding that they were already worshiping God. And he said to them, this unknown God that you worship, that's my God. It's not a new God. It's not some newfangled thing. In fact, they, they say to him, they say, what, who are you, you babbler, a babbler? And a babbler in this time really meant somebody who picked up all of the gossip that was going around and, and shared the gossip, gossip as if it was something that they knew themselves. But Paul wasn't sharing gossip. Paul was sharing intimate knowledge of what he had experienced through Jesus. And he was doing it at the risk of his own life because he knew that people desperately needed the freedom that he experienced in Christ. And so he tells them, he tells them these words that we read together. He says, the God who made the whole world and everything in it. We talk about this with the kids every week. God is creator. God created the whole earth. God created each one of us. God created medicine. God created math. God created trees that are so many. Remember, Andrew told us, what, 250 different, 15,000 different species of trees. That's a creator a creative creator. He created it all. And he says, not only did this God, my God, create everything, but he's also the Lord of everything. He's not just creator, he's Lord. He's in charge of. He's the one that we go to. Not these other false gods, but this one God is the only God who can change anything for you. The only God who can change anything for you. You see, the Athenians sought after knowledge as if it was the key to life, as if it was the key to freedom. Some of us do that in our day today. 
Some of us search after money as if it's the key to freedom and the key to life. We search after relationships because if I can get married or have a girlfriend or my wife and I can have a great life together, then life will be good. We idolize these status symbols in our lives as if they are what is going to bring us goodness, wholeness, healing, and freedom in this life. But only our creator, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, can do any of those things. Not only that, but then those of us who come to faith, who accept Christ in our life, we realize that there's a way of living in Christ. And our tradition, our American tradition, is that we come to church on Sunday if we're a believer. And that's the way we engage in our faith. Sometimes we do a little bit more than that. Sometimes we serve thinking that we're serving because God needs us. We have kids that need to be loved on in the children's ministry, so God needs me. We have um, pine straw that needs to be put out. God needs me. We have a building that needs to be maintained. God needs me. We have meals that need to be delivered. God needs me. We have youth that need mentors. God needs me. But the truth is that God doesn't need us. God does not need us. Our Father in heaven is the creator of all things on earth. If God wants it done, God will make it happen. In scripture, it says the Lord is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. You see, what Paul is trying to get them to understand is that worshiping God, that coming to the temple, that coming to the synagogue, is not something God needs, but something God allows. Our service is not something that God needs, but something that God allows us to do because guess what? Guess who needs it? We need it. We need it. Our lives are so full of idols, so full of the things of this world just by the way that we live. We have TVs and billboards and commercials and songs and friends that tell us what a good life is. And it's so simple and so easy and so natural to fall into that pattern of living. We need worship. We need service. We need opportunities to be a part of other people's lives so that, so that we can experience the fullness of God. So that our hearts and our minds and our souls are changed to reflect that of Jesus. God does not need us. We need God. It says that he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, God gives himself to everyone, and he gives everyone life and breath. What we need is in the hands of God, not in the hands of this world. What we need is found as we show up in community together, not because it's a heritage, not because it's a tradition, not because it's what we've been doing every day since our parents made us start come to church for the first time. 
or our friends invited us for the first time. That's not why we do it. It's not why we should do it, at least. We do it because it's a way to connect with the life and the breath that God wants to give us. The scripture continues on. It says that God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. God provides us opportunities to participate in God's work on this earth. God doesn't need us. God didn't have to do that for us. But God loves us enough to understand God's own creation. And we are invited into ministry. We are invited into small groups. We are invited into ministries outside of these walls in our community so that you and I can experience God at work, both in our lives and in the lives of others. God is going to make ministry happen. God is going to change this world, but we are invited into that process because as we join in that process, we get the breath of life. We experience the goodness of God. So what do we learn from Paul in this moment? What do we learn from the Athenians? Paul, regardless of what was gonna to happen to him, refused to give up his ministry, knowing that everywhere he went, he was gonna experience pushback, knowing everywhere he went, he was gonna be threatened. And he continued on because he knew intimately how much better life could be. And he wanted you to know intimately how much better life can be. Not better by human standards. Because if I told you your life was going to be better by coming here, you'd come to church to get some money, right? That makes everybody's life better. You come to church hoping to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You come to church to make your grandma happy. But what we're really offering in this place, what God is offering in this place, is community Community through which you can experience the grace of our creator. Community through which you can share the love and the grace of our creator. You see, Paul tells us that God made the world and everything in it. Not only did God make the world and everything in it, God is Lord of the heavens and earth. This Lord was not created by our hands. We did not create God. We may have built this physical building. Not us, somebody did. But this isn't God. This is a place we experience God. And God did this so that, so that we would have life and breath, so that we would turn to him, so that we might know him. God is calling to us. God wants you, you, to be in community so that you can experience the fullness of what God has to offer. We're told at the end of the scripture, therefore, 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 so important in scripture. Every time you see a therefore, I want you to underline it and read the three paragraphs before it. 
Because therefore, saying, because all of these things are true, you need to do this. So because God created the heavens and earth, because God is Lord of the heavens and the earth, and because God is our sustaining life power, not the things of this earth, because of those things, it says, therefore, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made and designed by the skill of humans. We cannot think that God is made in our image. We cannot think that we have anything to do with God's creation. Instead, well, it actually says in the past, God has overlooked, overlooked this, but now we're going to be called to account. We are going to be called to account for how we participated in this community, in this life that God invited us to. We're going to be called to account how we encouraged others to come and participate in the life that we have been given. We are going to be held accountable for the ways in which we embraced God the creator and the ways in which we embraced the idols of this world. We need to remember that our life together is not about us. It's not about our preferences. It's not about the things that we want to see happen in church. It's about sharing like Paul shared. It's about taking risks like Paul took risks. It's about doing things differently because that's what Paul did. Paul took everything the Jewish tradition did and he flipped it on its end and did it differently to share the good news with people who desperately needed to hear it. That is what we are called to do. We are called to participate in life together so that we can experience God and so that others can experience God. We need to remember that this life isn't about us. It's about what God wants for us. It's about what God created us for. And we need to repent, as the scripture tells us. It says we must repent of the ways in which we have tried to fit God into our own understanding, and the ways in which we have tried to fit church into our own understanding, and the ways in which we've tried to fit serving and growing and living into our own worldly understanding. We need to see our ideas of faith for what they really are. Are they images that we created? Are they two reflections of God and the work of Jesus? So our invitation today is two things. We have two houses. We have a real haunted house over here that will bring death. And this real haunted house is filled with things of this world. It's filled with our own understanding of faith. It's filled with our own understanding of church. It's filled with our own understanding of God, a God made by human hands, a God that doesn't have any mystery left because we've decided we know everything about God. That's in this house. Then there's this house, which also looks scary. This is the house of mystery, the house of faith, the house of taking risks not for ourselves, not for this world, but so that we can experience God, so that God can meet us where we are, and so that we can share the goodness of the faith that we have experienced ourselves with those who desperately need to hear it. 
So today you can choose. You can be like the person in that horror film who's running towards that house that has nothing but death in it. Or you can be Paul. Walking, running, living into the unknown in order to experience the fullness of the life that God wants you to experience. Let us pray. God, you are creator. Not only are you creator, but you are Lord. Lord, not only of the things that you created on this earth, the material things, but Lord of us, humans, humanity. And you have a plan for every one of us. You set our boundaries. You set our timetables. God, Paul tried to encourage us to leave behind our old understandings of who you are and to run towards a new understanding of you as the creator of life, of you as the one who gives us life and breath and everything we need. God, bring us to you in repentance. Show us those places where we have made idols out of this world, idols out of our faith. And teach us to walk like Paul did, towards the unknown, towards the mystery, so that we can be a light in a world that is running in the opposite direction. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.